Welcome, everyone, to the Literacy Quebec podcast, a podcast for lifelong literacy learners in Quebec. Literacy is more than just knowing how to read and write. It's about being able to interact with the world around you to your fullest potential. We're your hosts, Jamie Cudmore and Chris Shee. And welcome to the fourth episode of season five of the Literacy Quebec podcast. We are your hosts, Christopher Shee and Jamie Cudmore. How are you today, Jamie? I am great. After getting over some tech glitches today, getting started, I'm feeling good and all set for today's episode. How about you, Chris? You bet. Yeah, going well, absolutely. Getting over these technical glitches. I'll tell you what, it's uh, probably a story of many people out there at the moment. Um, definitely. Trying to get on the, <laughs> trying to get on their computers and internet falling down and... Uh, uh, anyway, we're, we're back on and so uh, we're going to launch into this week's um, or this month's uh, episode. So for this week's theme, we actually continue to explore this year's International Literacy Day's theme of adapting literacy during COVID and examine the new online frontier of lifelong learning. And we have a, a couple of amazing guests on our program today, Jamie. So do you want to introduce who they are? Sure, great. We start the episode with a discussion with Christina Slawecki, Program Manager for Montreal and Northern Quebec from Frontier College, and Danielle Berriel, Director General at the Canadian Institute for Cooperation in Adult Education, and the Chair of UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning, the UIL Governing Board. So it's a great episode again this month. And we close the episode, as always, with some upcoming member events. So what do you say, Chris? Should we get to it? I think we need to launch straight into it, Jamie. It's now time for Members Moment. Each week, we share stories, experiences, and events by our member organizations, volunteers, and learners. Up first, Chris had a chance to speak with Christina Slawecki from Frontier College, who was promoting the upcoming Literacy and Technology Forum on September 30th. We'll put a link in our show notes, so if you would like to join that forum, you can. Chris chats with Christina to discuss the history of Frontier College and how they are looking to the future of learning and providing literacy services with increases in technology and COVID, so trying to adapt as we all are to learning and working online. Christina teaches us about Frontier College's history in providing literacy services in Canada since the 1800s. I had no idea that they had operated so long. Today, Frontier College reaches over 40,000 participants across Canada, so they're huge. Frontier College is holding, as we said, the Technology and Literacy Forum on September 30th. So Chris has a great conversation with her about what's to come. All right. So welcome, Christina from Frontier College. How are you today? I'm very good. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. So, so we'll get straight into it. So for, for those listeners out there that uh, don't know who Frontier College is and, and what your mission is, can you just give us a bit of background about your story? Absolutely. 
With pleasure. So Frontier College is a pan-Canadian literacy organization. We, uh, we have a long history dating back to 1899. We'd like to say that we're old, but well-preserved. <laughs> and um, I'd, like to, I'd like to share our founding story because it's an interesting one and it illustrates well what we do and how we do it, Chris. So if you don't mind, I'll get into it. Over 120 years ago, our founder, uh, Alfred Fitzpatrick, came to realize that uh, there were some Canadians in this country who didn't have equal access to education, and particularly in the remote regions of the country. And so with that in mind, Alfred set out to regroup uh, our individuals, hence our name. I think you're starting to see where we come from here. And uh, those individuals were sent over there not only to to teach, uh, but also to live and work alongside the laborers who were working in um, railway gangs and mining and logging camps. And those individuals became known as the labor teachers and the labor teacher program uh, was the first ever Frontier College program. Now, obviously it wasn't the last, since then a lot has changed and we've continued to change and evolve. But one thing that hasn't is uh, our, our mission and, and our philosophy, particularly the belief that literacy is a right, that every place is a learning place, and that tutors and learners are equal partners in the learning process. And those became the building blocks of our mission and philosophy. And to this day, we still adhere to those tenets. So nowadays, as I said, things have changed. Uh, the frontiers of the country have come da- back down to the south. Uh, We're nowadays active in nine provinces, three territories, so from coast to coast to coast. Just to give you a few few numbers to illustrate, you know, the work that we do and and the expanse of our work. Last year, we mobilized over 2,500 volunteers to deliver literacy activities in the community. And when we say community at Frontier College, we like to say that the community is the classroom. So we don't only do literacy in uh, formal institutions. On the contrary, uh, we work in workplaces, community organizations, housing complexes. We're in prisons and shelters, both in the city and in rural and indigenous communities. And we do all this thanks to the collaboration of over 500 uh, partners across the country. Our reach is is far and wide. So uh, with all of those activities last year, again, we've reached over 40,000 learners. So those are adults and children. We go from, you know, zero to 99 years old. Everyone is welcome in our programming and we offer adapted programming to everyone's needs. Excellent. It's an amazing story. I mean, 1899, it's a, to have it start there and to all the way up to 2020. Is a, is a huge accomplishment in itself. So well done. Excellent. So, and, and on that, I guess being 2020 now from 1899, a lot's changed in, in technology and, and so forth. And, and you've got a, a technology and literacy forum that's coming up on the 30th of September. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, you sort of put your finger on it, Chris. Every year now for over 10 years, we offer a national uh, forum that touches on literacy and another topic. And this year we found that there's nothing more relevant in today's society than talking about technology and particularly uh, in the context of the recent pandemic that we've gone through. 
Uh, so, so hence our Literacy and Technology Forum, which will take place on September 30th. Okay. Uh, everyone is welcome to join. Of course, so whether you're a teacher, a learner, a community organizer, a government or city official, uh, we invite you all to tune in. Fantastic. Absolutely. And, and we'll include a, a, a link to the, dis, the discussion page for the forum so people can actually read about, you know, the, the speakers or the, the topics around the, the issues, the, the, uh, the things that are happening within literacy and technology at the forum. Is that, is that right? So um, there's, there's going to be a panel of speakers. Yeah, there will be. Yes, absolutely. We have a very exciting panel. I can, I can give you a few names now, if, if you don't mind, just to uh, whet your appetite a little bit. <laughs> uh, so we'll have uh, Daniel Barril, who is uh, the general manager at l'Institut de coopération pour l'éducation des adultes au Québec. Uh, he was also recently uh, named chair of the Institute for Lifelong Learning at UNESCO. Uh, we have Denise Williams, who is a CEO of the First Nations Technology Council. We have Marianne Wolf, who is the director for Center for Dyslexia diverse learners and social justice at UCLA. And finally, uh, we'll have our very own Stephen Fowle and Tammy Ariffa, who uh, Stephen Fowle is the president and CEO of Frontier College, and Tammy Ariffa is a regional manager for programs in uh, Toronto, as well as, of course, uh, one of our learners who will be joining the panel discussion. So sharing in her own perspectives on uh, technology and, and, um, and how it affects learning and literacy in, in this day and age. Amazing. Well, that'd be really interesting to hear from her point of view about what the impact it's had in her life through learning through Frontier College and everything on the panel. That'd be exciting. And, uh, and it's just also a little, little, little uh, exciting part here, Daniel Barrill, uh, we actually have him on this episode that you're on. So, so it'll be great to hear from him. And then again at the forum uh, on the Literacy Quebec podcast. So there you go. I, I don't think you knew that, but anyway, it's, uh, it's good to get Daniel Barrill uh, on, on both um, platforms. So excellent. That's great so, to hear. So any, anybody can come to the forum. How, how can people register? Or is it online uh, platform that people register through? Yes, thanks for bringing that up. So it's very simple. You you just need to go to frontiercollege.ca. Yeah. Uh, you click on the Get Involved tab and you scroll down to Events. And there you'll be redirected to our events page where uh, you'll find an icon for the forum itself. You click on it and hopefully it's as user-friendly as we can make it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Great, so that, so people can do, and that, again, like you said, it's for everybody from educators to students to, to young people to old people to workers, uh, laborers, and anybody who wants to to learn uh, from, from the panel of speakers about technology and literacy and how, what things are being done, uh, you know, the issues, the things that are happening it's exciting to so it's for everybody basically that they can get access. Uh, absolutely, and and uh, to take part in the discussion and just to give you an idea of some of the questions that we'll be addressing during the panel. Um, there's you know the big question of who is left behind with the in, this increased reliance of our society on technology. How can we prepare learners for a technological workforce through literacy? Uh, what does responsible technology use look like? 
of what learning strategies are effective for those with limited access to the internet, which is something that touches, I think, quite a few literacy organizations that we collaborate with as well, something that's important as well for Literacy Quebec, I assume. And then finally, how can organizations and government use digital tools to empower students, workers, and the citizens that we serve? Sensational. Well, Christina, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. And obviously, we're going to put the links to the information so people can access it. And unless, is there anything else that you want to share or that we may not have covered today? I look forward myself to this to this forum, this national forum, and I look forward to uh, seeing everybody tuning in online for it. All right. Great, Christina. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you so much, Chris. Literacy Lowdown, where we interview a special guest for this week's episode's theme. So next, Jamie, I had the opportunity to speak with Daniel Barril, Director General at the Canadian Institute for Cooperation in Adult Education and Chair of the UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning Governing Board. And Daniel will actually be on the panel for Frontier's upcoming technology and literacy forum. And so Daniel and I, we spoke about the UNESCO doc and the theme of the report is embracing a culture of lifelong learning contribution to the futures of education initiative. And we spoke about the blog that Daniel uh, wrote on about the new learning frontier that the sector is facing. Uh, We also learn about how online learning has exploded to reach more people than ever before, but also risks increasing some inequalities and risks leaving people behind. So what are the structures in the government and in our services we need to place to adapt and reach the people who need our support and to push forward the agenda of literacy? So, so Jamie, it was an absolutely phenomenal discussion and uh, really looking forward to the listeners to, uh, to get into this, this uh, segment and, uh, and have a listen and learn. So, Daniel, thank you for getting on the Literacy Podcast. I really appreciate you uh, making time for us. <laughs> and uh, so, so, Daniel, can you give us a bit of background uh, story on your role? And I'll just read your roles obviously from the, the Director General at the Canadian Institute for Cooperation in Adult Education and the Chair of UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning Governing Board. So can you give us a bit of background story on your role and, and how you came to your, your roles at the moment? As uh, the Executive Director of ICAR, it's uh, beside the administrative part of being an Executive Director, it's, it's more the, the, the intellectual part just to make sure that our work in adult education in all the different fields of adult education is cleared, is relevant to our members and to the global, the more wider community of adult education in Quebec and Canada. Just beside ICEA is uh, as a federal charter. So our mission is Quebec and the Francophones of Canada. So we have a Canadian scope um, as, as a mission. So. It's just to have a, an understanding, assuming a leadership role, a political role, lobbying, etc., and mainly bringing people together. Because the field of adult education is, is a complex archipelago. <laughs> so there's different world, everybody in their world have their logic, their issues, uh, their mm-hmm. challenges, uh, 
and their partnerships. So us were not linked to one specific universe of adult education, but it's the wide, the wider perspective that's our mission. So bringing people together, uh, mobilizing people, uh, and speaking up for adult education, and uh, and feeding the ministries about specific issues, technical, the state of the field in adult education. That's the main role, the political and mobilization role, and the vision okay. role. At UIL, the, the UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning that I called UIL to make it shorter, it's basically the same role, but the complexity is the worldwide organization. So it's not only developed countries, it's also peculiarity of, of every continent, uh, Latin America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and, and that, that's a more complex, complex understanding, okay. especially given that some countries have high level, like Quebec and Canada have a high level of their adult population having post-secondary education. But other countries have more than, there's about 20 countries that have more than 50% of their population who are basically illiterate. Wow. So there's that major inequality at the planetary level, the global level. So at, And the role of UIL within the UNESCO and the UN system, it's to put forward adult education issues and the more integrative perspective of lifelong learning from preschool, youth and uh, adult education and make sure that for the adult learning perspective, that it's within the debate, the political debate, because government here and everywhere tend to focus on school-based youth and infant education. And literacy kind of finds adult uh, literacy finds its place in the debate, but a wider perspective of knowledge needs and and, and diversity of of delivery method in adult learning rarely and difficultly find its place within the debate. So both are similar. It's just the scope of the field and the complexity that might be different. At UIL, it's international. At ICA, it's Quebec and Canada uh, issues. But the vision, intellectual leadership, pushing, making sure and an understanding, a wider understanding of adult learning is within the debate, the policy debate in okay. education. That's the core of it, beside administrative duties and financial complexity of staying alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing. So it seems as though that, like you say, the, the people around the world that fall through the cracks, through the, mm. their youth within education and things like that. And that's why it's adult literacy education is so important. And you're keeping the conversation at the forefront of the importance of that, because not everybody in their youth uh, is picking up their literacy skills through yeah. their youth. So, so that's why this is so important, isn't it? Yeah. And it's been the, the lifelong learning perspective. It's been part of the policy debate for decades, like mm-hmm. uh, since the 60s and even before, but more formally. Uh, at international organization, UNESCO, ECD, uh, etc., since the early 60s. And even here in Quebec, the, the Parent Report, the big uh, educational reform report of the 60s, called for a permanent education system that would integrate youth initial e- education and adult education. So we had that project, that blueprint of having a more integrated system, youth and adult education, but instead at the rhetoric level. And we yes. still have to work through from going from the vision to a technical, integrated, and policy-oriented system. Both government, their first reflex, and we saw it with the COVID-19 crisis, their first reflex, it's to deal with youth issues. We have, every parent, every adult understand why. 
it's, there's no critics there. But the reflex to keep the wider perspective, the more systemic, holistic perspective, it, it still has to, to be fought for. Because uh, when a crisis comes, it's a, a, a crisis as a lot of, it's a catalyst, has a lot of revelation <laughs> potential. And what we see now is that I thought that we went a bit beyond the rhetorical dimension of lifelong learning, that the, the governments were there. But we found that we still have to push for that vision. That was really a strong message of the UIL reports on, on the future of lifelong learning. It's to bring that holistic vision, systemic vision at the forefront and remind that it's still our project, our educational project as a global community of adult learning. Amazing. And that brings me to my next question about the, the future of education that uh, I, I read here. Can you share with us, Daniel, about the report UNESCO published recently regarding the future focus vision of education and wanting a major change in the culture of lifelong learning by 2050? Yeah, it's been UNESCO has launched every about 20, 30 years. UNESCO published an important uh, vision report okay. about education. There's been one in 72, uh, Learning to Be, the report, the four report. In 96, the Delors report was a major document where the lifelong learning perspective was really phrased out, spelled out, conceptualized and put forward. And they initiated last autumn a new process to publish such a report. So that reflection on, on the futures, with an S, plural, of education is a UNESCO process. And UIL has uh, published a report for that commission about the futures of lifelong learning. That report was, it's a major document because I find it really spelled out uh, the wider vision. There's a few messages in it and there's a few axes of recommendation in it, the systemic vision. I mean, we have to have a wider understanding that education, it's not only preschool, not only infant, it's also adult. It's all way, all throughout life. It's not only school-based, it's community-based, and it's also experiential-based. And there's a wide array of delivery method. So we have to take stock of what's happening right now. So that systemic vision is, is, is really major. The other debate I found was really interesting. It's that tension between individuals and collective issues. We live in a world where every individual has their own learning needs, their own learning styles, their own preferences. So we have to be able to have an inclusive education and adaptive teaching and learning. So answer singularly people's need. But at the same time, collectively, we learn from each other. Peer-to-peer learning, collective learning family learning and third generational learning. And we also need to learn for the good of all. Sustainable development is the most obvious issues. So we're not only alone as, a, as an individual within the learning world, we're also learning others and for others as collectively. And another major thing that necessarily we talked about is all technology. I mean, digital is uh, as competencies, uh, what we need to know. And also as, as delivery tools, there's a, a, an explosion of different, uh, different tools going from learning on, on YouTube through an app to learning management yeah. system. So the report kind of casts a wider net about the, to integrate uh, learning technology for the, the use of all, for the good of all. And maybe a last issue that was really major is that tension between a private-oriented, commercial-based kind of new development in education and the public good, the public good and the common good, 
and a, a more participatory governance to include all in the construction of learning, uh, not only as, as a beneficiary of learning, and that should translate eventually in a modernization of the right to education, the legal foundation. Or, or what we have now stands from the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in the 40s. Uh, it's been detailed and deepened through different normative work, international declaration. But does it include that wider systemic holistic perspective of lifelong learning? That's a question that the report put forward and called for UNESCO to, to get experts together to just to, okay. de- to, to analyze. So those main kind of uh, uh, issues anchored uh, a, a really wide vision. And people were not, I mean, we were aware that beyond the rhetoric, there's a, such a complex path to go through to, to yeah. concretize and that vision and pitfalls and political leadership, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why the report included a specific proposition, uh, an action plan, actually, just to go beyond the vision and to say that there's just gesture, there's actions that we could take in the short term and the midterm to try to put, get the ball rolling in favor of a wider perspective of lifelong learning from here till uh, 2050. And this, the report is on the UNESCO website. I, I see it's it's there for accessible for people to yeah. to see. And and who should be reading this report and activating on this report? Is is it a majority of people? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, because I feel, Paul. I mean, I mean, the authorities. I mean, civil okay. servants, ministers of education, government. I mean, it's the. Uh, it's the first public of it since it's 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 published within a process that are aimed at UNESCO member states or governments, okay. but widely civil society. And what I I really appreciate about the report it's it's bringing that wider perspective beyond school base, beyond youth, and integrated different really some kind sometimes marginal issues about micro certification badges and all that. So we mainstreamed through that report some discussion that happened parallel to the established uh, world of education. So for that sake, for, for that reason uh, of, of that mainstreaming push of discussion that happens sometime in more technological spheres, uh, it's important for adult educators, literacy groups, uh, and civil society in adult education to read that report. and. Okay opened up to that tsunami that, that's really reshaping the adult okay. education landscape from, from the private world mo- most of the time. But that brought us the challenges of bringing them within our vision of a public good, common good, and technology for people. That's the trust of the report to get to understand, to know that they exist, those kind of new technologies, to understand them. But our goal is to make them useful for everybody and specifically for vulnerable and marginalized adult population. Okay. Well, that's great because we'll definitely suggest that our membership groups, so Literacy Quebec has members, literacy councils for adult learners around the province of Quebec. And, and each, each one of those councils really need to read that report and, and really have an understanding and, and awareness around the report so that they can implement it in, into their into their adult uh, education and, and learning. And we could further our discussion with them because it's an international report. It, it okay. flies really high. Yeah. So having basic ground level educator reading it, it could be an interesting discussion. Is, is it relevant for them at the okay. practice, at their practice level? 
So uh, that's the reality test of any international report that is at the vision level. Is it relevant to practitioner? That's the, the reality check test for me. Okay, so that would be a good experiment to do because such high-level international stuff where we're bringing it back to on the ground level at, you know, in the province of Quebec on the ground for adult learners. Okay, so that'll be interesting. Uh, we should, once we re- read it all, we can get back to you and <laughs> report back to you for sure. Um, great, Daniel. Thanks for sharing that. So I guess my next question to you was based on, can you share some of the points that you raised in your, your blog named The New Learning Frontier and explain the evolution that you're seeing in, in education, adult, adult education, and perhaps where the, the opportunities and the challenges are at the moment. So uh, what, what challenges do you see as we're evolving f- forward into the future and, and what opportunities do you see based on that blog post that you, mm. that you made? For the past five years, I've been documenting all that new world of adult learning, all those web-based platform and artificial intelligence and education. And I feel I got aspired within a, a, a tornado of, of a world that I didn't know existed. Right. And what struck me, and it's the work we brought at ICEA, is that the established world of adult education, institutional-based, community-based, workforce-related, seems to didn't know the existence of learning management system, a personalized and platform, learning platform based on AI. And, and, and the more I dug into it, the more it struck me that there's two worlds, two parallel worlds. And the more I talked about it to people, they realized that they were part of that world. I mean, we, we all learned through YouTube tutorial. We just opened up. We know what we want. We opened up. We watch it and we put it into practice. So, and YouTube, I mean, an executive of YouTube said that they, they number in one billion down, uh, download of tutorial per day. So that's okay. major. Exactly. And, one billion. And we see now statistics since the, the beginning of the COVID. One billion, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> and uh, st- statistics for different pri- private-based platforms, Coursera, Udemy, and all those platforms since the beginning of COVID. They had like 300, 400, 500% augmentation of uh, participants. So that spheres was, was parallel to the established world. That em- emergent adult education universe was parallel to the established universe. And that, that's the idea of the, the new frontiers. So the world of adult learning is expanding uh, way beyond a public-based education. The private world is there way beyond collective learning in a class or in a group because it's a lot of self-regulated autonomous, autonomous learning that people do through those apps. So that was the, the main message that the, the boundaries of the adult education universe is expanding. Right. But that topic to me is a 21st century uh, it's the 21st century agenda that's being shaped through rethinking the place of the state in that universe, making sure that the private world doesn't, doesn't become the, the essential part of, of adult education and repositioning the state. Uh, but at the same time, we're dealing with those 21st century issues. The 20th century agenda of adult education, mainly literacy, mm-hmm. is not done. We still have to make sure people get foundational basic skills. And that's why I feel that there's a major inequality right now. A lot of us are autonomous 
in dealing with their learning needs. We go online, we get what we want, we have internet, we can pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. A a fraction of the population worldwide, it's it's a big number here in Quebec and Canada, about two thirds of the population have post secondary education. Okay. So we can we could induce that they're probably autonomous. About ten to fifteen percent don't have high school diploma. Around fifteen to twenty percent have literacy skills needs. So there is a minorization and a marginalization of people who don't have function foundational skills. Yeah. But on the other side, we've been successful in having a wider majority of the population who have grad who have post secondary education. So that new learning frontier as a, a major inequality issues, because historically adult education was at the mission to, to fight back inequality produced by the youth system, the school-based youth system. Right now, I feel adult education is consolidating uh, inequalities. We've lived it through COVID-19. I mean, so many of us were able to just jump into the web-based learning, web-based application. If we didn't know how things were working, we were comfortable watching tutorial and learning it. A fraction, a minority of the population are pushed aside yeah. completely. So that new, learn, new learning frontiers uh, blog in a few paragraphs wanted to, to just raise the alarm, sound the alarm that a new world is being drawn. The landscape of education has been changing. And within that, we have a lot of potentiality. There's a lot of potential to answer everybody's need with different tools, but at the same time, excluded people become a minority right. in, in a lot of country. So state tend to answer major problem. If, you're, um, uh, if a group of person become a minority, the state might not deal really with them and move towards more answering a majority of people's needs. So that's the new learning frontier for me and its challenges in terms of inequality. Absolutely. We'll definitely include that blog in in our show notes so that people can access that. And it's very interesting to read that blog that you posted. So um, thank you for that. During your time with ICAE and UNESCO, what part of the mission would you most love to see accomplished? So during your time, however long you're with your organizations, as I grow older, I think about that a lot. Less time to do everything. You have to focus at one point <laughs> in your life. I would say two things. I referred to them a bit in, in previous answers to your questions. The first one is I deeply believe that we have to design a new generation of adult education policy, a lifelong learning policies. And I, I feel we're still within the 20th century kind of way of understanding education. And what I said earlier about government reflects to in a time of crisis to mainly deal with youth school-based education is a sign of that. We're we're still far from from that new vision of of a lifelong learning. And I do think that we need a new generation of policies, adult education policies that would integrate a wider perspective of learning and and break up some silos. Uh, And through that, to me, the right to education has to be modernized especially to fight inequality. And not to say that our tool to fight inequality is bring illiterate adult in school. I mean, it's, to me, it's obvious the learning sites are so varied, including the family. And the methodology, the pedagogy are so varied right now. 
and that we 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 it should be a given. And I'm often surprised that it's not a given that wider understanding of of the possibilities of adult learning and lifelong learning. So to me, those two issues to see spelled out a new generation of adult education policies, lifelong learning policies, and UIL report is a major step in that direction in its thrust, in its vision, in its DNA almost, and in the way it encompasses a wider view of education and an acknowledge and expanding world of adult learning and education from a lifelong learning perspective. But so many people don't basically have problem reading and writing, and they're far from that new world. Mm-hmm. So that inequality in the New Frontier blog, I was saying we have to bridge two worlds, the 21st century one and the unfinished 28th century educational yeah. agenda. So finding a way to bring everybody within to, to, to be able to use all the potentiality that we have right now in terms of learning, uh, it, it, it's a major drive. But there's one, one obstacles or one solution to that. It's that wider perspective has, has to be part of the political debate, the Ministry of Education. Right. To me personally, a Ministry of Education should become, in the next decade, the Ministry of Lifelong Learning, yep. should, should okay. be the ministry responsible way beyond high school, if we take the Quebec situation, way beyond high school and, and literacy community-based group, should, okay. have, should be the fiduciary, the, the body responsible for the all learning of the population, uh, workforce-oriented, uh, citizenship education, health education, financial literacy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a debate, a discussion that has to start, take root at one point within the official, official structures of education ministry about do they have the structure adapted to the new learning and educational reality, to the new landscape. To me, I think they're a 20th century structure that tried to digest and adapt to a 21st century world. Wow, it's amazing to, to hear that. And uh, I, I really hope, like you say, that the ministry uh, you know, changes and adapts and, and evolves into, like what you're suggesting, uh, that, that lifelong learning ministry of, of education uh, structure. The UIL report put forward some of those ideas. So it's okay. interesting now, since <laughs> it's in an international document, uh, we can lean on it to push further the discussion. Okay. So it, it becomes really useful, even as an a- advocate, to be able to go beyond our own organizational reading and to, to bring in the discussion an international document. So it's really helpful to have that, uh, that document okay. for the debate here in Quebec and in, in Canada. And just maybe that conversation tweaks the dials just a little bit to cha- change happens slowly, never happens as quick as we, we yeah. would like, but maybe towards... 2050, the, the vision for 2050, where the culture of education changes towards that, that, that would be a good goal. So uh, I mean, in my thank you. 20 plus years in the adult education movement, what, what I've learned, it's, it's a patient movement. Right. They really are, uh, are determined and the trust of the movement at one point provoked the opening up. And, and if the government doesn't open up in terms of policies, the reality, the empirical reality of adult learning is moving away from them mm. uh, towards the private sector, towards an individual individually based uh, learning management journey from people who do have post-secondary and leaving on the side. Uh, I, I feel the state right now seems to think 
that its role is to deal with emergency, illiteracy, lack of high school diploma for youth, and skill gaps. They've reduced the debate and their, their actions and their understanding of their job to those mainly those three urgencies. Right. And a more proactive role and spirit and understanding of their mission within a, a knowledge society is lacking. Wow. Okay. It's, it's really, it's a great conversation to open up and keep pressing and keep pushing forward. So, so Daniel, do, do you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, any takeaways that you can leave with us? Enjoy the report and use it uh, as the okay. springboard for, for your own discussion. As a community-based literacy group, the technological dimension and, and that wider macro thinking uh, of adult learning could be viewed as for the privileged. But the challenges about reconceptualizing literacy uh, more in a continuum way means that we all have challenges. And even for literate, illiterate, it's not like there's a previous thing we have to do and make people be able to read and write. And there's that world, that technological, really interesting and high tech world of lifelong learning. Okay. So people should not feel that it's a, a destination. That's too way beyond themselves and, and, and to feel part of that world, to feel part of that lifelong learning world and technological world and app-based education world, it's for everybody. So that's what I feel as a remark that as a community-based literacy group and networks, people should use that report to position themselves within that wider perspective and 21st century perspective, not as on the margin of it and hoping that one day everybody will be will get their ticket to get into the train of the future <laughs> i see uh, okay. so that, that that's my feeling because sometimes we might feel a, a dichotomy two-thirds of the population are part of the future and one-third try to just survive but we have to bridge it and it, it's a conceptual distinction in reality everybody's part of the present and the future we're constructing. Wow. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for, for your welcome. thoughts and sharing. We really appreciate your time and we'll definitely look forward to, as you said before, being the, uh, the beacon, the lighthouse to make everybody aware so they can at least hear this information and then uh, make a decision based on that. So thank you very much. And You're welcome. That was we a pleasure. Hope to get you on the program again in the future. Invitation taken. Upcoming events. Events are All back, right. everyone. Hey, it's exciting times. And we'll it start is huge, with exciting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know, Chris, you've been at the LQ office seeing some people walk by. The last couple of times I was on Zoom with you, you were waving to people. So it's great that uh, some services are back as we are also mindful about the second wave upon us of COVID. But uh, we can start our events with QCRC, the Quebec City Reading Council. They have moved their traveling toddler activities online. The latest event was held this September on the 25th, so we've missed that one. But they moved it on to Zoom, so watch their Facebook page to find out when the next one will be happening so you can register. Mm-hmm. And next we have the Learning Exchange out in Laval. They're looking for online volunteers to help with their services. So check out the, the link that we'll have in the show notes for, uh, for you to be able to uh, check out that page. And it's annual general meeting season. So this is when you can hear about what some members have been up to over the last year. 
Literacy Quebec's AGM is on September 29th, 5 to 6 p.m. via Zoom with the theme of rainbows and sunshine. I think there's a boat theme in there. Isn't that right, Chris? Oh, yeah. It's, it's the rainbows and sunshine uh, cruise liner. And you got to jump all aboard for 2020-21 moving forward. So that's the, that's the theme this year. Check out Literacy Quebec's Facebook and uh, reach out to us to, if you would like to join the Zoom. TLE, the Learning Exchange, is also having their AGM on October 6th at 11 a.m. You can contact tleliteracy at yahoo.ca to receive their Zoom link as well. All right. And next, Jamie, we have another book giveaway, a Books and Hot Chocolate for Adults and Kids hosted by Literacy Quebec outside the garden of the Church of Epiphany on 4322 Rue Wellington in uh, Montreal. So please enter by the garden, just so you know. Um, and that's in Verdun and it's October 3rd uh, at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So that's always an exciting uh, uh, event to come down to Verdun and get your hands on some free books um, and some hot chocolate for the start of the fall season. That's a great idea, something to cozy up to. And the next event is hosted by Western Literacy Council, the Smart Art Family Graffiti event at Campbell's Bay in Quebec. So Saturday, October 10th at 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Parents and children will create family characters and map out activities they have done together on a mural paper. They will add text to create a narrative of family fun. So lots of fun. There are prizes, art goodies to take home. That sounds like a great event, but you need to register with uh, WQLC in advance because there's limited space. So check out their Facebook page and we'll put the link in our notes as well. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, and I guess next up, last year we went out on the road and, and did some filming uh, of our 11 members um, out on the road with a, with a video series called On the Road with Chris for Literacy. And, and I got a chance to go and, and really uh, get on the ground with our literacy service members and and really film the the high impact, the positive impact that they're having out there in their regions uh, in working with people that require literacy services. And so uh, we've been promoting that each week on our Facebook page and and our social media. So and we've also got a YouTube channel, so you can always get on the Literacy Quebec YouTube channel to to check out the video series. But it's uh, it's really worth having a look to to see. The, the super positive work that our literacy members are doing and, and the impact that they're making in, in people's lives um, around their literacy of lifelong learning. It's, it's an amazing work and, and really worth checking out, Jamie. So It's really fun to watch and it does give you a good insight into what happens at our members. If you were ever curious about it, it's a good opportunity. So, so that sort of wraps it up for this uh, episode, doesn't it? So I guess we've got to give our thanks out to all our guests and, and, uh, and the upcoming uh, events. That's right. So thanks to Christina from Frontier College, Danielle Berrill from UNESCO. And hey, stay tuned for our next episode in October. We're pumped to keep this podcast going. As always, if you would like to reach out to us, 
please write to us at admin at literacyquebec.org. Send us a voicemail at 514-508-6805. Reach out to us on our social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram at Literacy Quebec. And share our podcast, subscribe, let others know about what we're doing here. We're really excited to hear from you. And thanks again, Chris, always a pleasure. You too, Jamie. Have a great month and uh, we'll see you uh, at the end of October, I think is our next episode. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) See you guys. Bye, everyone.